Welcome Bears fans to a spattering of Bears scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes to watch the Bears so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, so just a couple uh, quick reminders. You can find us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Uh, we'd love to get some commentary going on social media just because it helps drive content during the episode. So follow us on Twitter and that's where you can find all the pertinent information to this podcast. So we were with the uh, other 17 people <laughs> who had nothing else to do with their Sunday uh, over at Allery's Bar in St. Paul this weekend. <laughs> yeah, um, it was one of those games where y- y- you kind of just know that in two years you're going to look back and you're going to see the box score from that Bears-Cardinals <laughs> game, and you're going to be like, wow, I don't remember anything about that, right? <laughs> like, we've gotten to the point where there's just absolutely nothing that's going on during the game itself that's interesting or really even worth caring about. However, uh, it will be a delicious game for trivia. Oh, yeah, there was definitely some moments there that we'll laugh about in a few years because there's going to be so many opportunities to say, who the hell was that guy again? Right? But, like, you know, it's one of those games where the Bears just from jump had no chance of winning. It felt like they got down early against a really good team. They never really made it interesting. And it's hard to really get mad at anybody that's out there running around on the field because almost everybody that played was completely inconsequential to the overall direction of the franchise it's just a bunch of fringe nfl guys at this point that are <laughs> trying to hang on to an nfl roster for one Were more we week watching but a preseason game yeah that's what it felt like i mean when you looked at a lot of the guys that were out there on defense specifically it's like wow i don't really know and the that. answer is margus hunt yeah i mean who the hell is that right like it's a guy that's kind of been on the NFL, the fringe of an NFL roster for a long time. But, you know, of course the Bears are going to give up a bunch of points on defense to a really good team when <laughs> you're out there with Marcus Hunt and Cassius March and Xavier Crawford. It's like, who the hell are these guys and why am I spending my Sunday watching them? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was certainly um, some football follies. Uh, there, Other than that, I'm not real sure to take from it. You know... Uh, it was interesting to see the Twitter sphere today because it was the exact opposite of earlier this year when um, Dalton came in and saved the day. <laughs> I'm using air quotes right now. That's how sickening that is. And uh, and instead, the entire Twitter sphere had talked to the invisible Bears fan who supported that move. But at this time, everybody's like, no, I can't believe anybody said that Dalton should be playing. Why, why would anybody say that? And it's like you all were saying that. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I, I think it was uh, I think it was a I think it was a football game. Yeah, it was basically a three-hour period of my life where I was <laughs> watching the Bears, and I didn't really have much emotion during the game because it was exactly what I expected to happen. Just an uncompetitive product against a good team. Um, My Andy Dalton analysis is that he's not any good. I think (laughs) that from the start of this whole season, everybody's like, well, Andy Dalton's the veteran hand. He's the guy that should be out there because he knows how to run an offense and blah, 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 blah. We've been through all of it, but the guy sucks. I mean, yeah. he is going to make mistakes just like a less experienced quarterback would. Well, so well, it goes back to why did we waste all this time with him? But we've been over that. I don't have the energy to go through the Andy Dalton argument any, anymore. He's just not any good. Yeah, I mean, you know, to give the guy some credit, um, it's not even so much that it's that he sucks. It's just that he's just done. And he's been done for a few years. Um, you know, uh, you know, set the way back clock for two seasons ago. Uh, the entire NFL knew he was going to be on the waiver wire uh, because he was due seventeen million dollars of his final year with the Bengals. But Ryan Pace says, "Oh no, I, I don't think he's good enough. I'd rather have Nick Foles." 
So if anybody ends up looking at like that, they have. If anybody has egg on their face here, it's once again the same guy that we keep talking about. Now instead of going and rehashing that because we all know how depressing that is, uh, I will say that you know I I, I do give Dalton credit for showing up uh, to play um, the whole season. He has he has taken this whole thing in stride and he has looked like he was ready to go. He's just not very good anymore. And of course the supporting cast around him is terrible. Yeah. And before we move into that, because there's a couple other guys that made some critical mistakes that I want to spend a couple minutes on, but we have to remember with Dalton is that he was the plan, right? (laughs) That's what Ryan Pace was hanging his hat on going into the season. They lucked out, Justin Fields fell to 11, and they traded up to get him. Great, I love the pick, but any other team takes Fields in the top 10, we're going through an entire season with Dalton as our starting quarterback, getting backed up by either Foles or some other late-round pick. So, you know, the plan, as it was before draft night, was on full display yesterday, and it wasn't any good. I'm glad we haven't had to watch too much Andy Dalton because... Like you said, there's just nothing of significance there. He's just a backup quarterback that's currently taking snaps for a bad team. Yeah. I, you know, life's too short to get mad about, you know, Andy Dalton throwing interceptions because, of course, he's going to throw interceptions. <laughs> that's what he does. Um, a couple other thoughts that I have on the game, and I don't have very many more. Um, number one, Cole Komet. I would not recommend in the future <laughs> taking a ball and throwing it directly up in the air while you're falling onto your back. If you're going to drop it, at least drop it like a normal bad tight end and let it hit the ground. Don't throw it straight up in the air so that the defender can pick it off and run it back to your two-yard line and you're going to allow a touchdown right thereafter. Yeah, Shaheen <laughs> 2.0 showed up again. You know, the the thing is about that guy is... Uh, he, one of the, one of the fans at the bar yesterday just looked me at me. He said, that kid is soft and he is too. He's, he's huge, but he is, he is soft. He got hit by a much smaller guy yesterday when he did that. And it's like, wait a second, you should be running over these people. Yeah. You would think, I mean, and he's a guy that I think has played all right for the most part this season. He's one of the few guys that... All right the, for a second-round draft pick? He's been all right. <laughs> as, of, as of right now, he's one of the few players that's out there running around on Sunday that you hope is going to be on the team when they're good again in a couple years. And, it's true. You know, he's had some good moments. He's had some bad moments. Yesterday, that pick was particularly bad, so... That was one thought that I had on the game. I think my other big thought is Jalen Johnson, instead of letting Kyler Murray walk into the end zone, would have been nice to maybe see you put your pads on him and at least He make does not a, like to tackle. No, if, if the, and just make an attempt to at least you know put some fear into the opposing quarterback. That was bizarre. It, 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 he it, just He has already shown that a couple of times this year. Not quite that badly but he does not like to tackle yeah and he's not the only cornerback in the league that you can say that about and if you're uh, elite cover corner then you can get away with that and Jalen Johnson might be an elite cover corner but you know that was one disappointing play where another guy who matters had a chance to strike some fear into the opposing quarterback and just didn't do it for whatever reason And beyond that, as far as yesterday's game goes, nice game by Roquan Smith, nice game by David Montgomery. That's really all I got. There's a bunch of guys that played really badly. Uh, 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 uh. Nice game by Robert Quinn again. Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. uh, He, I think he's up to fourth, maybe in the NFL right now. In sacks. Um, Yeah, uh, he he again came out in beast mode. Uh, You know it. Uh, Jim actually was saying to me yesterday that, um, you know, he's been looking like he's was worth his deal. Now, I don't know whether I'd go that far and, we, you know, put it in context, we were mostly focusing on this year because, you know, last year was, well, last year. But um, he has. He has really looked, uh, he has really looked great this year. Even without uh, Mac on the field, he is still... 
uh, getting big time penetration. Unbelievable tackle for loss for four or five yards yesterday. Read the play perfectly. Uh, and then, yeah, I, 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 we could call out um, uh, we could call out super beast mode every single game, and I would be happy. Roquan just he seems to get bigger and faster and more in tune uh, every single game. It's like he it's like he's getting even better than he was. Right now, I, I'm already putting him in our all-time elite inside linebackers. Uh, I mean, if he retired after the end of this season, I still think that you would have to uh, at least look at him as like number five or number six uh, in, in the Bears' history, which is a pretty big deal considering the line of guys he got there. But um, that, that, will, that will be... Uh, we haven't really gone into it much, but the signing of him after the season is going to be big, big dollars. Uh, yeah. Certainly number one at his position, but I think he's going to get more money than uh, is standard for inside. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to make the all-pro team this year, barring something really unexpected in the last few games That's of the year. all-pro, not not the popularity contest that is the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and like you, you watch the rest of the league, and you, you don't really see any inside linebackers that are playing better than him, right? So he's been a bright spot. I hope the Bears not many defenders. Period that you see playing outplaying him. No, I mean he's you know he's awesome, and he's been great this year. Even though the defense hasn't been necessarily what we would have wanted. Um, Roquan's been a great bright spot. So yeah, hope that they lock him down. So, uh, what, he missed a, a game and a half? He missed no games, right? I thought he got hurt during the Detroit game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. yeah, it is. So, like, yeah, when he came up and pulled that hamstring against Detroit, you're kind of like, oh, man, he might be done for the year. So for him to come back ten days later, not miss a game, and also play really well that's just insane actually and you love to see it too because it would be pretty easy for <laughs> him to make a business decision and say pack it you in now we're about done here i'm gonna rest up so the fact that he made the effort to get out there and played his you know hardest in a game where the bears really never had a shot of winning you, that's what you want to see um i think that's a sign of someone that's not only a great player but is hopefully going to be a leader on this defense for the next five, ten years, right? It's just that you hope that the Bears don't waste it because, you know, they've had plenty of other great players over the years and they've found a way to waste their careers. So you hope that they get it together because <laughs> it feels like hopefully right now you've hopefully got your young quarterback and you've got the young captain of your defense. So absolutely, you hope that you can build around those guys and continue to, you know, improve. We'll see. And we do have some nice... Uh, we, we do have a good young squad. We have some nice pieces in place. Jalen Johnson is one of them. I wonder uh, if he's as good as he thinks he is, uh, but um, he's certainly, uh, uh, he, as far as young DBs go, I would put him in the top five. Uh, but, um, you know, then you got, like you said, you've got the captain of the defense established. Um, uh, you know, you've got some nice young pieces on the D line. Uh, you know, I don't know what will happen with Goldman, but Bilal Nichols has, uh, you know, certainly played well the, the whole time. Um, so you, you, there's, there's some good young pieces out there. there. And on the other side of the ball, there's some good pieces. I mean, yes, of course, I hope that, uh, commit, uh, can, can pull it together more because, the simple fact of the matter is, is they they did use the resources on him, and since they have, they need him to perform because we 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 are hoping that we don't have to keep addressing that position every single year. That was what he was supposed to be brought in for. So uh, he certainly improved over last year. Uh, I, I think that's an easy uh, that's a gimme, but um, he he. He has to. He has to get. He has to bring it up to another notch. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, he's had some good games this year. He's had some games where he's been pretty invisible. You need consistent performance from someone you took in the second round. 
And, you know, it takes tight ends time. This is around the time where you'd hope to start seeing more from him. Um, and we'll see. There's five games left to go here. Uh, Darnell Mooney had another, you know, drop in the game yesterday. So I like him, but he's got to catch the ball. Among league leaders in drops. I mean, it seems like he's got one terrible one every week. Yeah. I mean, it seems like every week there's at least one play where there's a big situation and the ball hits him right in the hands and he drops it. So yeah. that's got to get cleaned up. I really like David Montgomery. The problem is when it's like a running back, though, it's like every hit that a running back takes in a meaningless game always feels like a waste to me. Yeah. That kind of brings back some memories of Jordan Howard, where he was really, really good for a few years while the Bears were terrible. And when you're a running back in the NFL, a lot of times you only really get three or four good years. Yep. So any any hit that he's out there taking for the rest of the season, you just hope it doesn't have a wear and tear effect. You hope he doesn't get injured. Same goes for Khalil Herbert, because I like him too. Um, Running back, least longevity of any position in the NFL. Yeah, by far. I mean, they're the position that gets beat up the most, you would think, because they're running full speed into collisions time after time a a game. Um, The other glaring weakness on this roster is the secondary is brutal, other than... um, Johnson and Eddie Jackson. There's just nothing back there. And it was, I was actually thinking about this today. Like the secondary, for as bad as it is, is actually pretty healthy. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure that the guys that were playing yesterday against the Cardinals were the same guys that suited up Week One. So imagine if this had been like a typical season where you have three or four injuries back there, <laughs> how bad it would look because it's already awful. Um, you would be playing. Yeah. I mean. I don't know that I would be noticeably Actually, worse than Andrew is taller, isn't he? <laughs> he might be. <laughs> I, I mean, the guys that are back there are already bad enough, so you, you you put that on Ryan Pace because going into the season with the depth in the secondary that they have is inexcusable, and it's proven to cost the Bears time and time again as the season's moved on, but... You know, that's been a theme every every week, right? I mean, you can go back and listen to the very first episode of this podcast where we were complaining about the secondary. So you yeah. kind of reap what you sow in that regard. It um, And it, it, is a, it is a point of serious contention. I mean, yes, we've drummed that drum a lot. But the simple fact of the matter is to go into the season the way they did, completely unprepared, um, that was an unrealistic idea to think that 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 secondary was going to hold up to put all the burden on Kendall Vildar of Westeros, <laughs> who, you know, I, I, I'm serious. I did. I felt sorry for that kid because yes, it's awesome to challenge your players, to ask them to step up, to be more than they are. And he had shown some flashes as a rookie, but to have him step up from a fifth round spot to suddenly being against some of the top flight receivers of the NFL was ridiculous. And the coaching staff, if they don't know it, then there's another reason that they should be fired. Because the simple fact of the matter is is a big part of their job as coaches is to identify talent and evaluate that talent and make adjustments as needed, as necessary. And that certainly wasn't it. And that includes Sean Desai. I don't care that he's been in his job for only one year. He was the cornerback's coach. So if anybody, he should have known it better than anyone. Um, and, and for him, for and, and I, I'm I'm guessing that he didn't sign off on that. I'm guessing that that was totally naggy and pace. But, it, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's to me, it's the biggest, I don't know, is it the biggest debacle or the receiver core? I think the secondary is worse, honestly. <laughs> it's I mean, bad. Between the two, I mean, maybe the secondary is a little bit better because you have Jalen Johnson, but both are brutal and... How did Jakeem Grant end up as our number two receiver? Yeah, I thought that we were done with that. I mean, when you go back and you look at <laughs> the, the starting wide receivers from like four or five years ago, and you have guys like Kendall Wright and Tanner Gentry starting games for you, <laughs> you, you had hoped that that was... Um, Kevin White? Yeah. I mean, the, so you had guys that were filling time when the Bears were tanking, and you hoped that... That would no longer be the case once the Bears went out and invested in that position, but those investments have not proven to 
be uh, smart. You know, they haven't gotten much return on investment this year in particular from guys like Allen Robinson, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird. I mean, you know, I was thinking about that with Dalton. Dalton used to be throwing to Chad Ochocinco and uh, to A.J. Green. So he's had some really good receivers to throw to. Yeah, I mean, back in his day, I mean, that's that Cincinnati team, people forget they were in the playoffs pretty much every year for a while there. So definitely part of the reason why the offense is bad is because they just don't have much at the receiver position to work with. But I think he had some pretty decent tight ends in there, too. Yeah, he had, like, Jermaine Gresham. Yeah. And uh, what's the kid from Notre Dame that was always hurt? Uh, um, I, I, I can't think of it right now. Yeah, but, I can't. I can't but I'm just saying, I mean, that occurred to me just because, you know, it's it's right. He used to be a, a pretty darn good quarterback. I mean, he was certainly top ten. and uh, But he had some serious weapons around him. And, you know, that's the thing is... Um, it all comes back to uh, it all comes back to pace and his mismanagement of the quarterback position. That's where that's where all of the resources that the predominant amount of our resources have been involved, and then he's you know made some other uh, big goofs as far as expenditures that have taken up the rest of those spots. While uh, I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. While I did like um, bringing Mac in, he was 100% depending on Trubisky to be a solid starter when he did that. Which means that that not only was he, uh, not only did he make a huge mistake in talent evaluation uh, when he made the pick, but he made he, he made it further going on when we brought when we brought in Mac. And, you know, that's the thing is Mac, uh, Mac really hurt the team as far as logistically, financially. I mean, I, I know he played, he played good. He played even great. Did he play as the number four guy in the NFL? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe for the first half of 18. I mean, if you think about what the plan was, right? So after they draft Mitch... You bring in the defense, and the hope is that you have an awesome defense while Mitch is on his rookie deal, and then you hope that you develop Trubisky so that he's awesome, and then by now he should have been on his second NFL contract, making a ton of money, and ideally making up for some of the shortcomings on the other part of the roster, right? So the plan worked during 2018. The Bears just forgot to win any playoff games that year. (laughs) But that was the goal, right? But Trubisky obviously wasn't good he didn't turn into somebody that you wanted to invest in long term so now you're left with kind of the depleted aged defense and another rookie quarterback we'll see how fields pans out hopefully it ends up being a good pick in the long run but he's hurt right now and you see how bad the rest of the roster is right especially when you got a guy like Andy Dalton out there who at best is a good backup quarterback right now yeah so it's difficult I mean so it's is Fields starting for against the Packers? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like he was practicing last week leading up to the Cardinals game. So teams will, you know, go through the week of practice. i got to say, I kind of don't want him to. Because uh, the thing is, is I, you know, I, I think that who's ever behind center is going to get pummeled. And uh, I don't, I, I really don't want to watch the kid get pummeled anymore. Yeah, I'd I mean, rather start him against the Vikings. If he's healthy, I'd like to see him out there just because I think going into Lambeau will be a valuable experience for him. That's true. But if he's at 90%, I would say let him sit it out, right? Like you, you, the incremental experience he's going to get from another game is not worth the potential of him aggravating an injury worse and then having that potentially affect him into the offseason. So I hope the Bears are prudent in that regard. I mean, selfishly, I hope he plays because if it's Andy Dalton out there, there's just absolutely nothing that I'm interested in watching right now. <laughs> um, but we'll see what ends up happening. Um, I get the sense that he was pretty close to playing this last week against Arizona. So if he was pretty close going into last week, give him another week combined with the four interceptions from Andy Dalton right. that's going to be sitting in everybody's head all week. I have a feeling he'll be out there. 
and I hope so if he's healthy because that's going to give me at least some reason to watch this game right. because I think the Bears are probably going to get killed. Right. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, and I, I'm right with you there. Um, I, of course, I, I, I look forward to see him, seeing him on the field, which is something I think a lot of Bears fans are saying, and I think it's the first time a lot of Bears fans have had that kind of hope. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, right now, you, you just got to look for the, the the silver strings of hope, and um, there's he, not many. There's not many. Um, I do think also that he charges up the team. I think he does uh, when he when he gets out there. Uh, at least um, some of the offensive guys. Uh, so I, you know, that part of it is that, that part of it is good too. Um, yeah, who who thought that? it would be a good idea to have this game on national TV. <laughs> I, mean, I was really hoping it would get flexed, but I just think Bears Packers is probably still a big enough draw. It is. It's money. They're going to want to keep it, right? They, they'll, they'll do it every single year. Uh, every single, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad the Bears are. It doesn't matter how bad the Packers are. And someday they will be bad again. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's money. It's too much money. It's too much it's two of the larger drawing uh, television audience teams in the NFL playing each other. It's the rivalry, um, and yeah. you gotta remember how many fair weather fans the Packers have from the years of winning. You know, uh, it, most Packer fans, you know, they only know one guy on the team. <laughs> that that schmuck that uh, <laughs> that st- that stands around with a big fat grin on his face all the time. And it just got done in a meth lab in the middle of central Wisconsin. I mean, <laughs> he looks like Colin Farrell from the second season of True Detective. I mean, yeah, that is. That's, I he does kind of look like that. I don't know what the what's going on there, but I mean, yeah, the, the Bears, I mean, are 13-point underdogs right now. They're going to lose. I mean, the one thing that is potentially good about it being on Sunday night football is that if the Bears get embarrassed by the Packers on Sunday night football again, that might be the final straw for the McCaskies, and maybe that would even prompt them to say that's enough for Matt Nagy. We're going to let Tabor coach out the last four games of this year. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but if the Bears go up there and lose by 40, which I have a hard time seeing how they will do anything else, right? Like maybe that's the final game of Nagy, but it sucks that that's what we're left rooting for here for yeah. a rivalry game, but yeah. here, here we are. So, um, speaking of Nagy, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that everyone uh, ex- doesn't expect him to be part of the team in 2022. Uh, Jim and I uh, were following the buzz this weekend uh, about different uh, head coaching possibilities, of course, the name on most people's lips is Jim Harbaugh after uh, Michigan made the college football playoff because people think that if he does somehow win the national championship, he'll feel like his time is uh, ready to move on. I personally do not see Michigan winning the national championship, but um, uh, it, it, it could be enough. Maybe he doesn't have to win it. Maybe just the fact that they got over the hump on the Buckeyes and made the college football playoff uh, it will be enough. Uh, I certainly um, think it's a possibility. Yeah, so with Harbaugh, a few things. So, number one, to your point, I don't think they're going to win the national championship, but let's put that aside for a second. So, he's got a job for life at Michigan yes. right now. And he's making a ton of money there. So I don't necessarily know that he'd even be interested in going back and coaching in the NFL. I mean, imagine having your dream job. You've got a contract for life, basically. You're making more money than you know what to do with and saying, I'd rather go coach the Bears. (laughs) I, I would find it very odd that somebody would put themselves in that position. But let's say that he would. The thing with Harbaugh to me, just from a coaching standpoint, is... He never really strikes me as a guy that would ever have a very long shelf life in the NFL because he's weird. He's he's (laughs) just a really, really odd guy. And it kind of seems like a guy that would go to a a head coaching role in the NFL, 
would maybe be really successful for a couple years, but then that message starts to get a little stale, and then he's gone. Like, that's what happened with the 49ers. It felt, right. it felt like he was a coach there forever, but he was only there for, I think, four years. Yep. And towards the end, it got really toxic, I remember. I don't have the specifics in front of me, but I remember there was a ton of stories about him fighting with ownership, and then, he re- then like, all of his roster retired, if yep. you remember that. So, you know... It's he was the darling, and then suddenly he wasn't so much. And it wasn't like somebody came out and said, well, uh, you know, he had some kind of scandal around him. But it was. It was murmurs. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's an odd guy. And in college, you can kind of get away with that a little bit more because, A, you're dealing with younger players, and, B, your roster turns over every couple years. So you're not in the position where you could potentially be in the NFL where – if the Bears are going to hire their next coach, the hope is that he's here for the next 10, 15 years, right? Right. And Harbaugh's never given me that vibe. Admittedly, I don't follow college football as closely as I do the NFL, so maybe he's gotten a little bit more normal over the last five or six years, but that's, that's <laughs> not the impression I get. So, I don't know. I mean, it would be an exciting hire, but A, I don't know it's feasible. B, it's kind of doesn't really feel like one that would be a long-term fix. So I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on that one. I don't. Well, know I still hate Harbaugh else. from the from the nineties. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. But um, uh, but we were looking at uh, we were perusing some of the different candidates that are going to be available, and uh, we came across Josh McDaniels, and both of us perked up when we read that name because we remember that. Yeah, I mean the Bears Bears fans directly remember him being in Denver. Oh yeah. Because of Jay Cutler. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, he had time to get his ass kicked a little bit. And then he went to work for the Guru. And he has maintained his spot for the Guru. He's even shied away. Uh, Now, wasn't it last year that he was going to take a job, but then he said no? Was that the Jets? It was a few years ago. So, it was the Colts. It was the Colts. So, here's McDaniels, right? So... His background is that he came up with the Patriots and was a successful offensive coordinator. And then I think in 2008 or nine or something, he took a job with the Broncos and it went horribly for him there. Um, He, a lot of times when, when you get these Belichick guys, whether it's Matt Patricia or Eric Mangini or whomever else, it seems like they leave the Patriots and their takeaway from working for Bill Belichick was, I'm just going to go into the, locker room with my new team and just start being a jerk to everybody right away (laughs) and that's exactly what mcdaniels did i mean he went there and it actually started out okay for him well first he had the big feud with cutler and ended up trading cutler to the bears and then i think the broncos actually started his first season like five and oh or six and one or something he got up to a really good start yeah i remember that but then it just all went south from there and he alienated the entire locker room everybody hated him he got into public arguments with Brandon Marshall, I know, and there was another guy whose name I can't remember, but there was another receiver, I think. And basically any star player on the roster, McDaniels didn't get along with, and they ended that season losing like 10 of their last 11 or something. And then he started the next year, he coached a few games and got fired. So it was a terrible tenure for him, and it was one of those where it went so poorly that I remember a lot of people around the NFL were like, that guy is never going to get another head coaching job because he was just that big of a pain to work with so now he's been back in new england for 10 years and has been a very successful offensive coordinator there during that time really showing this year yeah a lot with tom brady but to your point this year he's having a lot of success with mac jones too and so you wonder because a lot of times guys get that first head coaching job and they're just not ready i think that's part of what we're seeing with matt Nagy, and so mcdaniels was a complete disaster and you hope that he has learned from that, and maybe if he got a second opportunity, he would maybe treat people better and not make the same mistakes he did in Denver when he was younger. And the other thing that really interests me about him is exactly what you just said, because I think it was three or four years ago, he was basically hired by the Colts. So the Colts interviewed him, hired him, or reached an agreement with him, I guess. And then, like, at the last minute, McDaniels backed out for whatever reason to stay with the Patriots. And I don't really know if it ever came out as to why he did that, but 
he basically said at the very last second he's not going to be the coach, and the Colts ended up hiring Frank Reich. And so the reason that I think that's significant is because the Colts are a really well-respected organization, and they have a lot of really smart people in their front office. So the fact that they went through, vetted him, and decided to hire him, I think says something about how he's ideally matured during his last 10 years coaching the Patriots. I mean, you contrast that to the Bears, right, where the Bears, everybody thinks, are just run by a bunch of clowns, mm-hmm. and you think that they're never going to make an intelligent hire. The fact that the Colts went through the whole process and that was their guy has me interested. Yeah. You know, I think my co- my caveat to that is – you would really hope to pair a guy like Josh McDaniels with a really strong-willed general manager or foot president of football operations, basically somebody other than Ryan Pace, somebody that can make sure that McDaniels is not repeating the same mistakes that he made in Denver. And I don't have that guy. I don't know who it is. It's certainly not Ryan Pace because in his time here, I don't get the sense that Ryan Pace has really taken a strong leadership role in anything that he's been a part of. No. But... I don't know. McDaniel's is a guy that I think is going to trigger a lot Pace of people. Is, Pace seems more like um, I I do whatever Phillips and McCaskey tell me. Pace just kind of seems like I'm here to scout, right? Like Ryan Pace has never given off the impression that he is the leader of the football operation. He's not a great scout either. No. <laughs> he, except rounds four through six. Well, so yeah, so that's another thing, and I know this is a bit of a caveat, but. I would like somebody to explain to me how it's possible to be a terrible drafter in the first two rounds <laughs> and then be a great drafter in the later round. To me, that seems like it's a lot more luck than anything else. Like, If you're that good at drafting in the late rounds, you'd think you'd be able to apply that same framework to the early rounds. Yeah. But well, the, I digress. So so what it is, part of what it is, is, uh, is appearance, right? Because you, if you have a fifth-round guy... Who, who pans out, then people look at that and they're like, wow, he found a, he found a, a diamond in the rough, right? Yeah. But if, if, you, if you have a late-round guy that you draft in the early rounds, yeah. then you drafted a turd. Yeah. It's like, okay, we got a guy in the fifth round that's a functional NFL starter. Right. That's, that, that's a win at that point in the draft, I guess. But if you're getting a guy in the second round that is a fringe starter. That's, like Adam Shaheen. Yeah. He wasn't even a fringe starter. Who, who went to, what was the name of that school? Ashland. Ashland. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like a school of like 2,000 people or something. Well, he, he wasn't even a functional player. He was <laughs> somebody that you had to get off your roster as soon as possible. Then somehow he's still in the NFL. Somehow. But anyway, I go back to McDaniels. That's kind of my take on it. I'd be interested. I'd want to make sure he's paired with. Uh, strong-willed leader of the football organization. I have absolutely no faith in the McCaskies to identify that person, but that's that's where I stand on McDaniels. I don't yeah. know if you have anything else you want. No, I, I just uh, the thing is, um, <coughs> what I am intrigued by is Belichick it has been known for uh, being very good at delegation. Um, I think that is. One of the most important traits of being a head coach. And we have seen the opposite of it many times. Lovey Smith did not know how to delegate. Uh, Nagy doesn't know how to delegate. Fox didn't really know it that well either. And the thing is, is that you've got to have that. Because your, your job, head coach, your head cheese... You're the top dude. That's what your that's what your whole job is is to manage the entire team and the game. That's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to be whining about whether you're making the calls or not. And Lovey and Maggie did that. You know, I mean, you're and I think that both of them had these blinders on that I want to show the team that I'm really strong in this aspect of the game. And it's like, we don't care about that. What we care about is the overall performance of the team, which is what you were supposed to be doing. And Belichick has really... I, I think he dele, I think he his delegation skills, 
are, as part of his leadership is, is strong or stronger than any coach in the NFL. And I think that's what continues him to be a, and it just it's not just as in, in his coaches either, or even with management, but the players themselves. I think that's part of what gives him that ability to find the next guy up. Because is there anybody better at next guy up than Belichick? No, I mean it's interesting to me that Belichick has not had a great track record of his assistants being successful coaches. I mean, he's got some awesome ones, right? Like, there's a guy named Nick Saban, who I think everybody <laughs> would agree is a pretty good coach. But for the most part, it's like I said earlier, you get a lot of guys that leave there and they go out and they seem like they they seem to take a lot of the wrong lessons from Belichick. Like, Belichick seems like kind of a jerk, right? But he's earned the right to be a jerk. Like, you can't walk in on day one of your first NFL coaching job and just start yelling at people and telling them that they suck. Like you haven't earned the respect to do that in the NFL in an NFL locker room. So I don't know. We'll see. McDaniel's is interesting to me. I agree completely with your point on delegation. I think I'm, I'm my perspective on it is whoever the next head coach is. I don't really want him calling plays, yeah. offense or defense. I've seen enough of that. Exactly. Maybe that means I'm going to miss out on the next great NFL offensive mind. But I don't know. I think I'll take my chances there. Yeah. It, 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 if we hire a great offensive mind, that's fantastic. But if I'm hiring you as my head coach, I want you to be the CEO of the operation, right? Exactly. Like, and yes, if you're a great offensive mind, wonderful. Excellent. I'm so happy for you. You know what that means? That means that you should be working with your offensive coordinator to design plays and an overall an overall thought process for the game itself and let him deal with the minutia and part of the minutia is what his main job is, and that's calling the plays. But for your spot, from your chair, that is him delegating out himself. You're just supposed to be going to him and saying, hey, you know what, um, the, the, the running game has, isn't looking the way it should be. Let's do something about that. Finito, that's on him, right? Or, you know what, um, I don't know what you need to do. You need to talk to your quarterback's coach because we're not getting enough out of our guy. We need to focus this whole team around Justin Fields. That team, that team from right now, its entire focus should be Justin Fields. Actually, 1B on the other side of the ball, Roquan Smith, right? Yeah. Those are your two leaders, A and B. And the entire team should be focused around those two guys. That's the hope. Yeah, I mean, you have your building blocks, right, from at least in, in the most important position, which is quarterback, and then you have the captain of your defense. And the defense has some other pieces, too. I mean, I still think Quinn and Mack can be good players for a couple years. So, you know, I think, you know, it's not, it's not as bad as I've seen the Bears roster over the last 10 years. That's a very, very low bar, but I think there are some things here to be excited about. So, I don't know. Is anybody else from a coaching standpoint that you're interested in? I think McDaniels is the one that interests me the most. Yeah, McDaniels um, is, at, is at the top of my list right now simply because uh, one thing, one point you touched on and I agree with is that it's not his first go-around, yeah. right? Um, you would think that if he hadn't learned something he probably wouldn't still be with Belichick. Belichick doesn't seem to tolerate that kind of stuff around him. No. He just he just gets rid of you, you know. Um, I've always kind of liked that about him, you know. He he doesn't dance around it at all. He's just like adios, bye. Yeah. I, I'm going to find somebody else to take your spot. Uh, but uh, I think that is something that um, it, it makes it promising. Is that he's had a chance as a young man. Genuinely, a young man when he got his first. Well, he was in his thirties, right? Thirty. I think he was like thirty-two or yeah, thirty-three. Yeah, he was young. You know, and um, I think you know this is an opportunity for him to uh, come back and um, and, and, and he's got to be looking at the field and the game as a whole completely different because you're with a guy who knows the game. Yeah, you know. So as far as um, other guys, I mean. There's a lot of other names out there right now. 
we'll have to see uh, how things pan out. And the Bears obviously will not be the only uh, the only team looking. Uh, I think it's the NFL is averaging five open head coaching positions per year. Yeah, I mean, you already know a couple, right? Like, I assume the Raiders' job will be open unless they decide to keep the interim coach that they've had working with. I assume Minnesota will be open. I would think that the Jacksonville job should be open. They just gave Urban Meyer a ton of money, but that's clearly not working out. And that's probably a better job, honestly, when you're just talking about roster construction, right? Like you've got, It's got some really good pieces. You've got Trevor Lawrence, you've got a lot of draft capital, and you've got salary cap flexibility. Wow, Trevor Lawrence has looked awful. Yeah, and I mean, you wonder how much of that is his fault, how much is Urban's fault. I don't know, I can't say I've watched every yeah, second of Jaguars it, football. It, it, uh, you know, the thing it about that's interesting about him is it's not just those two things, but it's the system that he came out of. Because at Clemson, he uh, he had lots and lots of good stuff around him when he was there. So I, I don't. I mean, obviously, it's too early to call, but uh, yeah, that's something certain to certainly to keep an eye on. So uh, along that vein, uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about number one. So it it will be good to see him uh, come back on the field against the Packers. Um, I certainly. What I would like to see in this next game uh, for him is I'd just like to see a little bit more vision. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more downfield play. I do believe the Packers are suspect to that. Um, and quicker movement, quicker play. Get the ball, throw the ball. Get the ball, run the ball. Not this, there's too much. For him, the level of experience he has, for him to be trying to dissect uh, uh, patterns, uh, reading a lot of a lot of patterns downfield, going through progressions. He, I think, his movements should be more muscle memory, less decision making. Yeah, I mean, simplify the offense, right? I mean, when you're dealing with a rookie, you shouldn't be throwing the kitchen sink out there. Um, obviously with Matt Nagy, I don't necessarily know that that's how he thinks because it seems like his entire offensive game plan tends to be designed to show how smart he is, which hasn't worked, probably isn't going to work. And that's probably the biggest reason why he's going to get fired. But yeah, I mean, when you're going on the road to Lambeau and you've got a defense that's pretty darn good, you've got a very small margin for error because... The Packers are huge favorites in the game, and you know that they're going to be looking to have a big performance on Sunday Night Football. You can't afford, you know... Dink and dunk, for sure. You can't afford double-digit yard sacks. You can't afford silly interceptions. You want to just see a nice, efficient game plan that gives you a chance to win. I've seen nothing from Matt Nagy in four years to make me think that that's the game plan that they're going to deploy up at Lambeau, but... That's the hope. I mean, I hope he plays, first of all. And if he plays, I hope that they put together something that A. Wow, watching Dalton in that game? Yeah, nobody wants to see that. (laughs) Seriously, nobody wants to see Andy Dalton. That's been my point for 10 weeks plus preseason plus training camp, is that at no point has anybody been interested in seeing anything from Andy Dalton. The the only thing that I want to see from Andy Dalton is him standing on the sideline with a baseball cap holding a clipboard. (laughs) In week one, Jim says, do you realize that the worst player is playing? There's two guys, and the worst one is the one that's going to be playing. He's the one that's going to be starting. So, yeah. I, so, I don't know. I, I really hope Fields comes out um, because it's really the only thing to watch. I mean, it's okay watching Roquan Smith, but, you know, you can only enjoy a really good defensive player so much when the overall defense just sucks. Yeah. Right? So Montgomery was fun. To, has been fun to watch the last couple of weeks. The kid is playing really hard. Um, he does have a pretty good burst of speed. I, I would kind of like to see um, Herbert getting more touches just because, I mean... You know that game was really never in in doubt. Uh, at least from my, from, at least from my seat, it wasn't. So I would have liked to have seen a little more, a, a little bit more mixing it up there. Um, 
and, and, and that way we can see a little bit more maybe of, of what we got in both players. Uh, the receiving core, uh, where's Daz Newsome? I, I mean, I'm not saying that the kid is, is going to be a, a savior, but, you know, he did show some talent and some numbers at North Carolina. Uh, he also has punt return abilities. Uh, you know, really, is Jakeem Grant that much better than him? Is Rodney Adams that much better than him? Um, is Isaiah Coulter that much better than him? I don't think so, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, anybody with any upside, I would like to be playing right yeah. now. Yeah, put Thomas Graham... Look at our secondary. Why isn't Thomas Graham out there? You know, hey, try him out. <laughs> he actually... I read several um, pieces about him before the season that said that he was way underrated and that he actually should be a very solid zone guy. M- maybe not a great cover corner, but um, but he should be very solid in the secondary. Well, considering there's nothing solid about our secondary at all, why not try that out? Dude, I can't believe there's five games left still. <laughs> if this is what we're talking about, and we still have five to go, like, oh my gosh. Okay, so we're, let's uh, we're gonna go, let's talk about the playoffs. Yeah, we're gonna. Okay, go, there, there we're done talking yeah, about the playoffs. Yeah, we're gonna get throttled this week. They're probably gonna get throttled against the Vikings, and then there's still three more games. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, it so, sounds like okay. So you know the yeah this this week is just gonna be it's gonna be. It's it's probably going to be a punishment to watch. This uh, Bears fans is is going to be my Super Bowl uh, this weekend. Uh, if we if we could just win one game, even if it's even maybe a meteor could fall out of the sky and just fall on that side of the stadium. <laughs> you know, I I don't care what it is. If we could just win this just one game for the rest of the year, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean... It is possible. Maybe you catch the Packers flat. I mean, hey, if that team that John Fox was coaching could go into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers, which they did on Thanksgiving, then anything can happen, right? But, um, you know, even if they do win, I don't really think it'll... I mean, it'll be fun. And let's not forget that the Vikings really took the full blast offense from... Uh, from the Packers just a couple of weeks ago, and it didn't matter. They still won that game. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just want it to be close. I don't want to be looking at the scoreboard at the end of the first quarter. And How do the Vikings nothing. lose to the winless <laughs> Lions? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's all that we're going to say about that. Well, yeah, poor, poor Mike Zimmer, man. Like, <laughs> you're a defensive coach, and your defense lets Jared Goff march right down the field and you to win a game. Like, I don't know. Like, at least we're not talking about losing to the Lions, I guess. I don't know. It's uh, it's challenging. Okay, so, um, well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, we'll see how the next two weeks go. We're, we're going to look at uh, some uh, other sideline kind of stories uh, to maybe cover because there probably won't be a whole lot of, of glory coming out of the games. But we can always hope. Because that's what we do. We're Bears fans. We hope. Hey, we need something to talk about, right? Like <laughs> that's the, that's my that's my ask of the Bears for the next five weeks is as bad as you are, give me something interesting to talk about. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if that's even possible with the way the roster is currently, you know, constructed. But you know, hey, you, you can a guy can hope, right? Yeah. Okay, so, uh, well, thanks again for uh, joining us for another week of Bear Scat, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. Thanks for listening. We're out.